Today is a passage of scripture that is uh, very familiar to uh, many of us. And it is a passage um, that will not require a tremendous amount of explanation. But what happened with this particular passage over the years is it got misinterpreted, misunderstood. And to misunderstand this particular passage is going to be downright tragic for us as Christians. If you have physical ability, would you stand in honor of God's word as I read from Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to pick up in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You may be seated. Now, the book of Deuteronomy was written by Moses. But what is the book of Deuteronomy? Why is it in the Bible? The book of Deuteronomy is there because Moses is coming right up to the end of his life, right up to the promised land. It was the land that God had promised to the Israelites. He's going to bring them out of the land of slavery into a land flowing with milk and honey. And so they're going to have all of these blessings that would be overflowing. And so you remember, they did not obey God right away. What should have taken just a few days, actually, to get from point A to point B, took 40 years because of the lack of faith. You remember this? They got out. They heard the promise of God. They watched God do incredible things right before their eyes, 10 signs that he had given them. They get out, and, and when they get there, they look, and they go spy on the land that they were to take over that God had promised they would have been given. And you remember what they said? When we're looking here at the expense of looking here, whoo, they look big. I don't know if we can actually handle this. Correct, you can't. But he said he would be faithful. And so when this happens at the expense of this, this looks really, really bad. When this drives us then we get to see this in perspective. And so they lost their perspective. So 40 years of wandering, so that generation would, would, would uh, um, no longer be present, and then the younger generation who would follow. So Moses is right there at the end of the time. Most of the folks have left the scene, and he's getting right there at the end. He's, he's trying to tell them, hey, remember how faithful God is. So this is what Deuteronomy is. It's Moses' speech to the people to say, don't forget the Lord. Keep trusting him. No matter what it looks like out here, remember that this will always trump this. This is his great speech. And so right on the front end of this great speech that he's given to them, writing it down, he reminds them about who God is. And this is he gets to the heart of what the Jewish faith was all about, a heart of what the Christian faith is all about. Now, notice just a few things. He says, hear, O Israel, meaning open your ears, not just so that you can get the tones, not just so that the science behind it. It's actually open up your ears in such a way that your mind is prepared and your heart is prepared. Open up your ears to really 
truly hear from God. Can I ask you a question? How open are your ears? How open are you to say, is that what you're asking me to do? Then yes, Lord. Or can you hear and can even articulate what was said, but your heart may not be in the posture that says, yes, Lord. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. Don't understand it. Got no illustration for you to make that clear. It's just true. The Lord our God is one. And then he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, please don't let this escape us. Now, the verses preceding this, he's talking about all the ways that God's going to bless and there's the things and here's how it is that we reveal to God that we love him, et cetera. But, but this is the heart of it. Love the Lord your God with every fiber of your being. Now, do you know what most of us do with this? Most of us hear this right here and we say, yes. Oh, I should be doing that. But I'm not. I'm a failure when it comes to being a lover of God. And I want that to be true, but I've never come even close to that. So I know what the scriptures say, and I, I should be doing this, and so I can't do it. And so we just begin to heap more shame upon ourselves. I don't think that's what Moses is trying to get across. I think what he's trying to get across to us is this. To the best of your ability, as much as you are capable of doing, Put yourself in the presence of God and love the Lord your God with everything that you have. What God is not saying is that unless you love me perfectly, I will have nothing to do with you. What he's saying is this. It's about a relationship. Now, this is something we can all understand. In your friendships that you have, friendships that you have had for, for several years now, maybe you moved into the neighborhood just a few years ago and you finally found the guy down the street and you guys were able to connect on, on something. Maybe it was the same sports team you had or maybe it was, it was just the same habits you had. Maybe you like playing Xbox or whatever it is, but, but you're now in middle school and you're trying to to figure out how to navigate this. What's the most important thing to you about that particular guy? Isn't it the relationship itself? It's not about all that he's going to do for you. It's about the relationship. And you get into high school, and you have a relationship that uh, begins with a member of the opposite sex. And what is it that you value the most in this? Is it all of the things that this person does or things that this person buys, or is it just a relationship? In college, how many students actually go to college for an education? What's the most important thing in college? Is it not the development of the relationships that you have? And is there anybody when they first got married said, you know what? I can't wait. I, I cannot wait to get married so that we can get our schedules in alignment, so that we can sit down and talk through vision and mission and values and goals, objectives and roles, and, and we can budget together. And I look for, 
Or did you just say, I cannot wait to spend the rest of my life with this person? And when is it that marriage is at its toughest and most difficult? Whatever the circumstances that are going on outside, whether it's financial difficulties or, 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 child, or problem with your children or, or whatever it is, isn't it far more tolerable? Isn't it even somewhat okay when the two are becoming one mind, body, soul, spirit, when the relationship is thriving? Doesn't it make everything else in life okay? And what is it that grandparents value the most? Is it all the things that grandkids do for them? Is it all the ways that they help them out in life? The plans they make for them? Or does grandma and grandpa just light up when a grandkid comes over and makes a surprise visit? What are you doing here? I just wanted to see you. God is not saying something that we don't get and don't understand. What he's saying in here is this. The most important thing, Israel, about you and about me is our relationship. So above everything else, place that at your highest priority. Love me. I'm going to love you. I promise you. I'm going to love you no matter how little you love me. I will be there. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So love me with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. Give everything that you've got to this relationship because you're going to blow it in virtually every command I'm going to give you. And I've never needed your obedience I've never needed your money. I've never needed your hard work and diligence. All those things are good. But what I'm after is your heart. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. Every fiber of your being chase after the Lord. That is the command. That is the value. That is the goal. And then he tells us a little bit about what this might look like. How is it that we can foster an environment in which we're chasing after the Lord, loving him with everything that we have, he tells us in the next few verses. These words that I command you today, they're going to be on your heart. Teach them diligently to your children and, and, and talk of them when you sit and when you walk and when you lie down and when you rise. Now, all I want to do is to point out the obvious in this passage. The wording is very simple. It should be in your, on the screen out there, but there are four things that, that God is calling us to. He called the nation of Israel to this. He called the church to this. But there are just four things in these few verses that I want to point out. Four things for family discipleship. This is God's <clears throat> design. Number one, <clears throat> be intentional. Do stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, do stuff on purpose. Just be intentional. It is better to have a bad intentional plan than no plan. 
Be intentional with your children. Now, for those of you today who might be saying, hey, I don't have kids yet, um, and so I don't have uh, plans for kids in the future, this principle that I'm giving to you is true for all believers. Because remember the command that was given to Adam and Eve in the garden? Be fruitful and multiply. That was not just limited to physical reproduction. That was spiritual as well. And so all of us in the church are called to be spiritual parents of some sort. That we're going to come alongside of others and to help them grow in their faith. And so any relationship you have in which you're trying to mentor, to guide, etc., be intentional in the process. Don't just wing it. There's a time to wing something. We'll get there in the end. But as a general rule of thumb, develop a plan. Can I ask you, what is your plan to get these things across to your children? How are your children, how will you provide an environment which you are loving the Lord your God with every fiber of your being? First of all, be intentional. The second thing I think we see in here is to be methodical. Notice he tells them, do this at this time, at this time, and at this time. He says, do it in this way, and in this way, and in this way. And the problem with this is that the nation of Israel began to take these things so literally that they began to flesh these out in ways that I don't think God had in mind. Look at the, the uh, verses 8 and 9. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And so what began to happen is that people said, oh, I get it. Now we should be writing stuff on our hands. We should be tying these things to us. And we should be creating boxes that we're going to put in between our foreheads so that we can show how devoted it is that we are to this. And I think what God was trying to say all along is this. Be intentional. Be methodical. Be persistent. Have an intentional plan and have a methodical plan, meaning that it's something that you want to come back to on a consistent basis. If you are one of those families that says, you know what, we have been able to have five family devotions every week for the last 17 years. Praise God. I, that's wonderful. We can't do that in the McNeely house. We are so spread out. We've got football, we've got basketball, we've got baseball, we've got track, we've got other things. There is almost never a time now at the age that our children are in which we are all home together for any considerable period of time. When they were young, do you know how easy it was? Family devotion. Let's gather the kids. Let's get up. And they, we got, and I would read to them things like the hiding place. And as we had these devotions, I created this whole family devotion plan and showed it to Judith. And she said, yeah, it's our family values that we made for them. And it was great stuff. And so I, the very first time that we we're going to get them all together to go through our family values, sit them down, every kid is staring at me, this magnificent, intentional, methodical plan that I had there. They are just waiting to receive news on how it is that they can love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so I get going on the devotion, and guess what my kids do? They start wiggling. And then they're not paying attention. And so I get 10 minutes in to trying to get them to pay attention. I'm, I'm a pretty patient guy, but I'm getting frustrated. So we're trying to go through our first family value, love. How to love the Lord is what the first five days, day number one that I'm on here, and they are yakking it up. And I said, okay, guys, uh, really, you, you need to sit down and be quiet. 
And that lasted for about 14 seconds. And it kept going, and they kept pressing, and getting, and it got so bad that I'm finally there in the middle of reading from Deuteronomy, and I finally say, just sit down, shut up, and let me tell you about the love of God. <laughs> Judah said, hey, we're good. You kids go ahead, get ready for bed. She comes to me and says, Dave, this is incredible. This is awesome. Love this. It's going to be so good for our family. You have five minutes with our kids. That's all you got. If you're able to have that kind of methodical routine that you get, great. We, we don't have that anymore. But what I do have are regular, intentional, methodical plans to have spiritual conversations with my kids. And sometimes some of those boys want that conversation to last all of about 14 seconds. It's okay. Because I want to bring the subject up. Be intentional. Be methodical. Be persistent. I'm not using the word consistent for that very reason. The word consistent is so broad. And for some, it means every day. For others, it means we just keep coming back. We never quit in there. Just be persistent in there. Finally, be spontaneous. Look for some opportunities that are just natural ways in which you can get in and you can dive in. You can connect with. Your plan for your family needs to look pretty simple. But here's the driving question, mom and dad, that I want to leave you with. And whoever it is that you are discipling in the future, this is the most important question for us to ask. Do my children, do they believe that Jesus Christ is the most important person and driving factor in my life? Do my children, those whom I am discipling, mentoring, intentionally trying to invest in, do they believe that the person of Jesus Christ is the most important person and is the driving factor in my life? If they believe that Jesus is the most important person and the driving factor in my life, let me tell you what's likely going to happen. Even if they don't agree, they will likely have a great deal of respect for the sincerity of your faith. And I think what will happen is it'll set the stage that for the rest of their life, they'll be able to come back to. Even if it's just one person, here's one person who really, truly did believe that God was worth it all. See, I rejected the faith of my parents for many years until college. And I never had a chance to question or never had the need to question whether or not they believed that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. And so I'll tell you, there was never a moment in my mind and I actually doubted that Jesus was who he said he was. I just didn't want to walk with him. I didn't want to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But when God got a hold of my heart, all I had to do was to turn around and just remember all of the ways that my parents had lived out their faith in the face of us kids. And that walk became a very simple walk. Do you have a plan? 
Are you intentional, methodical, persistent, even spontaneous, looking for those unique opportunities in which the Lord um, can use you? I, I want to just beg you one last thing, and that is to pick this up on your way out. This is my plan to grow. And this is your plan, but in here are some things that you could, could translate and, and do for your family. You say, what if I got kids that are now 35, they have their own families, pick it up, walk through it. How can you consistently call your children and your grandchildren and encourage them? How can you challenge them? Pick up this plan. It is going to give you a way to come up with your plan, not our plan for you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Teach them diligently to your children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Ah, Wildwood, love God and love your kids.